Hello everybody, welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. We have got quite the show for you this week. Uh, we are going to be talking about Facebook, again. Uh, but in wake of the Cambridge Analytica story, there's been so much more things that have come out about Facebook. And uh, so here's the deal. I'm deleting my Facebook accounts. I've got two of them. One for my business, one for my personal use. Uh, and based on the things that have happened, uh, I'm done. I've just had it. Last straw. Honestly, I should have done this a long time ago. So follow me on my journey as I walk you through all the evidence and lay the groundwork for why I'm making this choice. Now, I completely understand why not everybody's going to want to do this. It's actually easier for me than most because I didn't really do as much on Facebook as so many people I know do on Facebook. Uh, but I'd still, uh, the first step in any of this process is education and transparency. So if after all of this, you decide that you still want to stick with Facebook, uh, there are still things you can do to limit your exposure on Facebook. Uh, and it's always just, it's just important to know what you're doing. And if after all that you want to keep going, that is totally your call, but I'm deleting Facebook and, uh, I'm about to tell you why. All right. So let's start with the Cambridge Analytica story, which has been of course all over the news. So I can't believe you probably haven't heard it, but let me catch you up real quick on, on, on what happened there, uh, and why I think this has been the tipping point, why this has really kind of brought, uh, all the data collection practices of Facebook into light and exposed how that can go so horribly wrong. So there was a report, I think, in both the New York Times and the Observer recently about a company called Cambridge Analytica, who is in the UK, uh, who does marketing, in particular, does political campaign marketing, meaning that they are hired by uh, political campaigns to try to influence voters one way or another, either to get them to go out and vote for them or to maybe stay home and not vote for the other person. Either one is pretty much a win. So these companies are hired uh, because they believe that they can influence elections. Uh, now, of course, this is done all the time. We have political ads on television. We've had them on radio. We've had them on billboards and yard signs. This is not new. This is, this is called advertising. This is marketing. This is normal. What's different about this particular story is the way in which we have merged the worlds of big data uh, and collection of massive amounts of information on people voluntarily because we give that information up freely uh, and using that amazing treasure trove of data to micro-target people. So uh, let me start by just reading from this article from Naked Security. Naked Security is a blog by the Sophos company who does antivirus software. Uh, it's a great blog, by the way. Uh, it's very non-technical, really, if you, uh, it's, it's accessible by anybody. If you're looking for a good security blog, besides my own, uh, they're a good one to look at. So uh, let me just read from this article. Quote, the reports both detailed how Cambridge used personal information taken without authorization from more than 50 million Facebook users in early 2014 to build a system that could profile individual U.S. voters in order to target them with personalized political ads. Facebook said that the data got out not through a leak, but because some 270,000 Facebook users willingly signed up for a Facebook personality test called This Is Your Digital Life that billed itself as a research app used by psychologists. You might well question how 270,000 people signing up for the Facebook personality quiz blossomed into a potential data breach affecting 50 million users, nearly 25% of potential U.S. Vo voters. As the observer describes that the app scraped not just test takers' private profile data, but also that of their friends. Facebook didn't disallow such behavior from apps at the time, but such data harvesting was allowed only to improve user, user experience in the app not to be sold or used for advertising. Of the 50 million profiles scraped, only 270,000 of which belong to users who's granted permission, roughly 30 million contained enough information, including places of residence, that the company could, at least theoretically, match users to other records and build psychographic profiles, unquote. So basically what that's saying is there was this researcher in the UK who wrote himself an app, signed up for the Facebook app program or whatever, got approved, uh, managed to get 270,000 people to sign up for this app. And when you sign up for that app, when you sign up for any Facebook app, 
you're giving them permission to access your Facebook data. So you're not just finding out what Harry Potter character you are or, you know, what famous movie character you would be if you were in Gone with the Wind or, or whatever, you know, some of these quizzes and games are. Or signing up for Farmville or uh, some of these other games. When you're signing up for these things, you're you're giving these apps at least access to some of, not all of your Facebook information. Uh, back in the time when this particular one was done, uh, I guess Facebook had, you know, policies around how this data could be used to uh, to go from the people that actually accepted and installed the app or, um, or, or took the quiz to take that to the next level and go to their friends, which obviously is a much larger group of people. Um, and apparently they did allow this for the sake of, quote unquote, improving the user experience, you know, whatever that means. Um, but you weren't supposed to take it and do other stuff with it. And this guy did that. He turned around and gave it to this company called Cambridge Analytica. And Cambridge Analytica is another UK firm. It's a marketing firm and they do political campaign stuff. So Cambridge Analytica took that data and used that on behalf of multiple campaigns, of which the most famous, obviously, is uh, Donald Trump, uh, to do what they could to help him get elected. Um, so the key thing to take away, though, is is not Cambridge Analytica. That is what broke this story. That is what made this evident. But this is not a bug. It's a feature. This wasn't a data leak. It wasn't a breach. There was no hackers that got in and took all this information. This information was all collected by Facebook. Facebook had this data. And they made that data available uh, to the writer of this app. And so he took advantage of that and he used the data. Um, there's There was no law breaking there. Uh, there wasn't really even much of a policy breach there. This is how it works. This is how this gets done. This is part of the reason Facebook has all this data in the first place. So while we're going to talk about this, I don't want to focus on Cambridge Analytica, uh, though that is a very interesting story and it's got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm focused here on Facebook and I'm actually going to go broader than even Facebook. This is about the world we now live in, where we sign up for all these quote unquote free services um, giving away gobs and hordes of personal information. And we're going to talk about what that really, what that really means in exchange for these free services. And then now all this data exists to be used and abused or stolen. So I know we talked a little bit about this recently, about what kind of information that Facebook has on all of us, what kind of stuff they collect, but let's, let's dig in even a little bit deeper. Let's think about all the stuff that, that, that they know about us. So there's the obvious stuff, right? You know, there's the like buttons, whatever we click like, like on, uh, ads that you click on, they know that whatever photos and videos you upload, all the posts that you make to Facebook, all the messages you send on Facebook messenger, um, all the videos and, and photos that you're tagged in by somebody else, uh, your friend requests, those, the, the ones you've received, the ones you've sent, including the ones that were not accepted. They remember all of that, all your current relationships. Obviously you've got your list of friends and family. Uh, but also all your past relationships. It's not just the current ones. How long have you been on Facebook? Uh, how many significant others have you had since, you, since you've been on Facebook? They know all of those. They know your past relationships. They know when they came and went. You know, it's complicated. And in a relationship, all those things, all those times you've changed those statuses and who you've associated those things with, they remember all of that. But that shouldn't be surprising. Um, but let's think a little bit more about what they've got access to. So they know your location. Uh, and there's at least two ways they can do that. Uh, first of all, they know your IP address. Anytime you talk to anybody on the internet, whenever you're sending data back and forth to somebody on the internet, like uh, we've talked on the show, show before, it's kind of like you're sending little mail messages. You've got a to and a from address. That's how these messages, these little packets of data get routed to and from uh, the internet. Uh, in this case, from you to Facebook and back. Uh, those IP addresses are usually associated with internet service providers and those service providers operate in certain areas. And so uh, it's very easy to tell at least what city you're in if I know your IP address. You can try that right now. Um, if you go to a web browser, uh, either on your phone uh, or at home, uh, just go into a Google search bar or a DuckDuckGo search bar, would be even better. Uh, just type in the phrase, where is my IP address? Uh, and, and you'll get a few choices there. But if you click on one of those things, it will show you uh, who your internet service provider currently is and where that IP address is located. So there's that, the IP address. Um, and while, you know, narrowing down to a city or maybe a region in a large city might not seem like that big of a deal, you also have to realize that, like when you're sharing Wi-Fi with somebody, you're both having the same IP address. So not only does it know where you are, it knows who's there with you. Uh, of course, also, if you're using this on a smartphone, you've got GPS on your smartphone. And one of the things that um, 
apps on your phone can request access to is your current location. So that's really specific as far as far as where you are. Your GPS location gets you probably within, you know, a yard or two of where you're located on, on the planet. Okay, so location. Why does that matter? Well, when I know your location and I know when you're using Facebook and I'm tracking where you're going all the time, I probably know where you live and where, uh, where you work, right? Um, if I plot it on a map, every, every time your Facebook, when it checked in once a minute or once every five minutes and said, here's where I am, uh, if I plot it on a map, I could probably see a whole bunch of dots right where you work and a whole bunch of dots right where you live. So I could probably also find a lot of dots where your mistress is or where your friends live, uh, your favorite restaurants, things like that. I can tell that just by tracking where you go. Uh, because your phone is probably the, f you know, the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to bed, I know when you go to sleep and I know when you wake up. Um, I know how long you looked at something, you know, you, you, you think about, okay, I clicked on that or I read this article, but they actually know how long you spent on that article because that will tell them how engaged you were with that article. You know, is this something you were really into or do you just click on it? And it's like, oh, that was a mistake. And you quickly close it, go on to something else. Or you open it up and you skim it. Nah, it's not for me. And you close it. But if you open that article and you read it, you're going to be there for a while. And it keeps track of that as well. It also remembers what you don't click on. It offered something to you that you didn't click on. So maybe that means you're really not interested in whatever that was. But it gets better. I don't know if you know this or not. But if you start typing something on Facebook, you start typing a message and you're going to send it as an update on your Facebook timeline or whatever. You're going to send a message to somebody and then you think better of it or you change your mind and you delete it and you never send it. Facebook actually has that info too. And it's not just Facebook, by the way. This is a, this is a technology that's been coming around where all these forms that you fill out on the web, you know, so you go to sign up for something and they finally ask you that one question that was just too much. Like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I can't believe all the crap they're asking me. You know, I'm 20% or 50% or 70% through this form, but I've had it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to skip this and go away. They can actually see everything you've typed into that form. Even if you didn't click enter, even if you didn't click the submit button, even if you didn't click send a lot of these, a lot of these forms on, on, on these apps and these, and the web pages can record all the data that you put in there and didn't send. Now, if I'm watching all the things that you post, the links you click on, the things you search on, uh, maybe even the people that you friend uh, or the Facebook uh, business sites that you go to, I can also start thinking about uh, figuring out what your medical info is. Do you have diabetes? Do you have HIV? Uh, how old, you know, how old are you? Uh, are you pregnant? Um, do you have health problems? Uh, you can even kind of figure out, you can start correlating some of this data and figuring out are you likely to be a drug user, either prescription or not? Um, what, you know, obviously your relationship status, even if you don't say what they are, the way you interact with people and the people you interact with say a lot about you. It probably gives them an idea what your sexual orientation is. Uh, it'll tell you what your religious and political beliefs are. Um, there's so much they can be gleaned without you having to explicitly tell them. But we're not done. It still gets worse. So, when you go to those websites and you, and they say, Hey, sign up for our newsletter or sign in to get access to one or, you know, whatever we got to offer. Uh, and they say, well, if you don't want to create a brand new account, then sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google. You'll see those a lot, right? Uh, when you do that, when you sign in with Facebook, instead of creating an independent separate account, obviously that's convenient, but what you're doing is you're giving permission for Facebook in that site to exchange data. So now Facebook, basically you should assume that Facebook knows everything that you're going to do on whatever site that was that you signed up for and signed in with Facebook to use. When you, uh, signed up with Facebook and some, they probably reminded you later and they would say, Hey, you know, who else do you know? That's on Facebook. Let us help find those people for you. Just give us your email address and your email, uh, your email account password so we can get to your contact list. And then we'll find all the people in your contact list that are also on Facebook. And how nice, we'll, we'll hook you guys up. Well, realize that when you're doing that, and until you change your password, first of all, they've got full access to not only your contact list, but they've got full access to all your emails. Um, and that if you've never changed that password, then they still do. Uh, and think of if you'd given them your Google account information, 
Think of all the other things you do on Google that are not just your contact list. There's calendar, Google Docs, email, maps, search. Um, anything that's available to you through your account is now available to them. And I have no doubts that, that they're hoovering up that information as well. Um, if you've installed the phone or if you've installed the app on your phone, uh, one of the permissions it surely asked you for uh, was access to your contact list on your phone as well. Same thing goes there. They've got access to not only every single contact on your phone, everything that you stored in those contacts on your phone. Like there's notes, right? There's a notes section on a lot of people's contact information. So it's not just their name and their email address. It's everything else, their birthday. Uh, sometimes you can restore um, relationships like this is my cousin or this is my grandmother. All that information it now has access to, it has. Um, it, it even gets creepier. Apparently on Android phones in particular, if you install the Facebook Messenger app, uh, for a lot of people, it is actually also getting all their text messages and all their phone call information, which has nothing to do with Facebook. Uh, but when some of the people, I'm going to tell you how to do this in a minute, when some of the people download their Facebook data, they've been finding that Facebook has all that information on them. And it still gets worse. Uh, you know, whenever you go around the web and you find those little like buttons, those little Facebook like buttons. Well, if you don't have any anti-tracking technology on your web browser, every page that has one of those like buttons on it is tattling on you back to Facebook. They know that you've been to that page, whether you click on the like button or not. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that bad. These guys are going to amazing lengths to find out every single possible thing that they can do about that, that they can about you. Uh, this wasn't Facebook, but just to give you an idea how this how this can all work, uh, there was an article recently about Uber uh, that <laughs> they were munging through all the data that they collect on people, and they said, "Hmm, I wonder if we could figure out how many one night stands there were in our customers." And so they said, "Okay, let's look at all our data and find out how many people were dropped off at a location that's not a normal location they would go to." Uh, they've never been to this location before, let's say, uh, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. on a weekend. And then they left that location within a tenth of a mile the next day within six to eight hours. That looks like a one-night stand, doesn't it? That is something they could derive from their data. And apparently somebody at the company did that. I don't know if it was on a lark or just to kind of <laughs> just to kind of show the power of what they could do with their data. But that just gives you an idea of the kind of things we can do when we have all this amazing amount of detailed data. Now, the other thing you have to realize, and you, you may realize this, but let's, let's call it out so they're all fully aware that when you're sharing this with Facebook, you're not just sharing this with Facebook. First of all, somewhere in the terms of service, when you say that you agree to share this data with Facebook, you're also agreeing to share it with their quote unquote partners. So these are other marketing firms and other companies that they employ to comb through all this data or maybe uh, other data companies that they that they uh, merge your data with to try to learn even more things about you by correlating that data with somebody else's big bucket of data. Um, and obviously, like with the Cambridge Analytica story, whenever you sign up for another app, you do a quiz, you do a game. Uh, when these little Facebook apps come up and you sign up somewhere in that thing, you're giving it permission to access your Facebook data, either some or all of it. Uh, so it's all the apps you've ever signed up for. And if you went into your settings and, and somewhere in your settings, you can find the, the place where you can show all the app permissions that you've given. If you've been on there long enough and you've done enough of these little quiz things, I think you'll be shocked to find how many of them are there. And as far as I know, once you're in, once you're in forever, um, uh, that doesn't expire until you revoke it and you can revoke it. So I would recommend that you do that. Facebook also owns a lot of companies you may have heard of. Uh, they bought WhatsApp. Uh, a very popular uh, messaging app. They own WhatsApp. They originally said they were not going to use any of that data, and then they caved, and, <laughs> and then they ended up using that data, which really ticked off a lot of people, but it was totally within their right. They bought the company. Uh, they also own Instagram. Uh, they also own Oculus VR. Oculus is the, um, the, the the maker of those really cool virtual reality headsets that are mostly used for gaming right now. Um, so there's... Onovo, that, that's a VPN company that they bought, um, and which I talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, so that whenever you, if you, if you click on the protect field in the Facebook app, they'll shoot you over to the Onovo VPN. They're like, oh, VPN, that'd be smart. Let me use a VPN. Well, the VPN is owned by Facebook. And once you use them as your VPN, you're basically funneling 
all of your internet traffic, not just your Facebook traffic, everything you do on your phone would be, or laptop would now be funneled through that VPN. So they see all of your web traffic. <sighs> they know everything about you <laughs> and they, and you think that's bad. Wait till we start talking about Google. But here's the other thing. So it's not even Facebook. It's not even the partners. It's not even the app developers. It's not just those people who, if you think about it long and hard and you look through all the details, you could realize that you've given access to all these people, to all your data. But now you've got this massive treasure trove of data and it's not just Facebook that could be using these things. First of all, what about rogue Facebook employees? You know, some jilted lover who wants to see what his ex is up to, or maybe a stalker within the company who can't help himself. He's, you know, that girl across the street, he really wants to know what she's doing all the time so he can bump into her or whatever. That, so all that data is there. And while Facebook, I'm sure, tries to limit to some extent what all employees can get access to, uh, there are certain people within Facebook that just have access. They have to, to do their jobs. Um, so there's a, there's abuse, possible abuse within the company. That data is just sitting there and you're hoping and praying that all the Facebook employees are going to treat that data with respect. And that's probably a bad assumption. Now let's think about hackers. If I was a hacker and I wanted to get a ton of information, I'd go to where the information is <laughs> the classic uh, it's always, I think, attributed to Willie Sutton. You know, why do you rob banks? Well, I rob banks because that's where the money is. So if, if I wanted to get a bunch of data on somebody, and obviously Cambridge Analytica figured this out, uh, I go to Facebook because that's who has all the data. Uh, so if I can't get it legally, maybe I can get it illegally. Maybe I can break in and get that data. Uh, and then there's law enforcement and intelligence, intelligence agencies. As we just talked about last week with the Cloud Act, this information is now available without a warrant not just within this company, but to, uh, to foreign countries as well. So it's just, it's just mind boggling to think not only how much data is there, but who has access, potential access to all of this data. And now I got to talk about one other story that came up recently, cause it's just stunning. Um, and Facebook, honestly, when first Facebook came out, it was a good idea. I, I, I honestly, I think that the concept of the social media thing is, is actually pretty cool. You know, being able to keep in touch with friends and family, you know, potentially people you haven't seen in a long time and share this information. Uh, it's, it's a great way to keep in touch. It's a great way to, to find out what people are doing. I get that. Uh, and I appreciate that. But the problem is that it's, that it's just so ripe for abuse. And the underlying use for that is really not for you. It's for profit. Uh, mostly advertising, but other things as well. Uh, that's how they make the money. This, these services aren't free. Uh, you are not the customer. You're the product. So last week, uh, uh, BuzzFeed broke this article about a leaked memo from a VP at Facebook named Andrew Bosworth. Uh, and he's basically talking about why Facebook does what it does and why it's totally justified. Uh, let me just read this to you and then we'll talk about it. Uh, in this in this memo, uh, Mr. Bosworth says the following, quote, we connect people, period. That's why all the work we do in growth is justified. All the questionable contact importing practices, all the subtle language that helps people stay searchable by friends, all the work we do to bring more communication in, all of it. So we connect more people. That could be bad if they make it negative. Maybe it costs someone a life by exposing someone to bullies. Maybe someone dies in a terrorist attack coordinated on our tools, unquote. Obviously, that's provocative. And I guess this guy is a provocative guy. He likes to say stuff like this. I seriously doubt that he actually meant, I don't care if people die as long as we can add more people to Facebook. But it really goes to the heart of this issue of growth at all costs. This is capitalism run amok. This is unfettered vulture capitalism. Um, while he states this as an altruistic thing that we want to connect more people, I, I, I doubt that's really what he's meaning. In this case, I do think he means growth at all costs. The more people we connect, the better the ends justify the means. Connecting people is what it's all about. And the more people we connect, the more money we make. It doesn't really matter what the consequences are. But let, okay, let's, let's set that aside. Let's, let's give this guy the benefit of the doubt that he was really just, he really thinks that 
it's better for all of us. The more people that are connected, the better we all are. Let's, let's just go with that for now. Let's talk about the broader issue. Let's talk about beyond Facebook. Uh, it's been said that data is the new oil. Uh, all these free services aren't really free. Um, someone has called it surveillance capitalism. Uh, and while Facebook, all the things we've just talked about look bad, Google is worse. <laughs> now they, they haven't, Google wasn't the one who got busted, uh, but they have at least this much data on all of us and probably a lot more. Um, we've got all these companies that are collecting and correlating and selling this data. Uh, and you've probably never heard of any of them. Now, Google and Facebook are on the, on the forefront of this, but they're, uh, according to some estimates, there are 2,500 to 4,000 data brokers in the U.S. alone. Um, you've heard of some of them as uh, Equifax and Experian. They're, those guys are um, credit bureaus in the United States. Uh, you've heard of them probably. Uh, certainly Equifax after the massive debacle last year with all the uh, information that they let go. Uh, but there's some other ones, like another big one is called Axiom, A-C-X-I-O-M. Uh, and, and there's so, so many more. These guys are all out there without regulation, collecting and selling and trading information on you left and right. And we don't know what they have. You don't know who they are. You don't know who they're selling it to. You don't know what their policies are. You don't know if the information they have on you is correct. You have no way to fix it. Because you can't access it. You can't see what they have on you. It's it's completely blind. We have no idea what's going on. And this data is just a goldmine. And there's it's starting to be used by things, by other people for other reasons. Um, you've heard of a credit score, right? You've, which is some kind of proprietary nebulous formula, some algorithm that these companies use to figure out how likely you are to pay off your debts. You know, if, so when you go to get a credit card or a loan or... Uh, even if you go to get a job, in some cases, they're checking your credit score. Well, this is going beyond that. They're actually starting to talk about things they call consumer scores. Uh, and if you think that's creepy, it's actually being done now in China, um, where they're starting to keep information on people, and the government is actually taking actions based on this. But let's face it, this information is out there, and if, if I want to loan you money or give you a job or rent you an apartment, uh, maybe admit you to college or give you uh, health insurance, why wouldn't I go get all this information on you and decide whether or not you're worth it? Or maybe if I want to charge you uh, more because of the information I know about you, or maybe less, maybe it works to your advantage and maybe they give you a better rate because you work out all the time and you eat healthy and all these sorts of things. Um, but, but it could also go the other way, right? Uh, do they have a right to that data? Well, today they do uh, because we have no data regulations in the United States. We need to be thinking even beyond this. So other companies that have our information, first of all, there's all sorts of public data records, right? They're public. They're, you know, uh, they've always been there. But in the old days, someone, physical person would have to go down to some county office, request the data. Someone would have to go in the back, make some copies and bring them out. And that would be your data. That's not true anymore. You can get all this data online. I can go on online right now and find out uh, how, not how, <laughs> when and all my neighbors voted in elections since forever. I can find out if they voted in primaries or find out if they voted in the general election. I can find out how they were registered. That's all public data. Um, and it's all available online. So that means that now anywhere on the planet, a computer can go find that information and collate that all together and, and then sell that to somebody else. Um, think of your internet service providers and, and that's not just your cable company or your, your phone company or whatever, where you get internet access at home. Uh, this is all your, also your cellular provided, your AT&Ts, Verizon, T-Mobile. Those guys are your internet service providers as well. These guys see everything you do on the web, every place you go. Um, now, if some of that stuff is encrypted, they can't tell maybe what you're saying, but they know what sites you're going to. They know how long you spent on those sites. Uh, they know how much data you exchanged with those sites. Um, they, if they're your cell phone companies, they probably have, they have, well, they don't, not probably, they have access to all your phone calls, how long you called, how, who you talked to, when you called them. Um, they have all your text messages, they, um, amazing amounts of data. Think of your store, think of your store loyalty cards, your grocery store. Uh, they give you that card for free and then they give you discounts whenever you use that card, when you check out. But what that means is they've got all that data and they're not just sitting on it. They're not that using that for themselves to send you emails about, hey, you bought milk last week. You know, there's a sale on milk this week. They're also selling that data to other people because they can. There's no, there's nothing preventing that. Think about your credit card companies. 
good. You know, they've, they know everything you buy. It's just amazing. Just amazing. If you stop and think about all the data that's getting collected and there's really just nothing right now preventing all the companies that collect this data from storing it forever and sharing it and selling it to whoever they want to. So that gets me back to my original premise. This is not a bug. This is a feature. This is how things work today because we have not stopped it. A lot of this stuff is going on because we're not paying attention. A lot of this stuff happens in the background and we just kind of blow it off. We kind of assume that some of this stuff is going on, but we don't really care. Who cares? Who knows this information, right? It's no big deal. I'd rather have my free Gmail and my other free services. I don't care. But the fact that it's even possible to collect this stuff and to sell it and share it is the problem. Um, you know, this whole problem with Facebook is not the, is not the first time this has happened and it's certainly not going to be the last. Um, but all these companies understand is profit. This is all about profit. It's capitalism. And I'm not saying capitalism is bad, but all games need rules or they're not fun to play. And there's just something in particular about this information that's different. We need to treat this information differently than other information. It, it, it needs to be regulated. We need to have some control. Part of the reason this is such a problem is because, you know, even if you believe in market dynamics and the hidden hand of the market, this it doesn't really work here. Uh, people don't really know and fully understand, which is part of why I'm telling you all this stuff, how this stuff works. And who's do, we don't know who has this data. You've never heard of these companies. Um, and because it's sold second, third, and fourth hand, you just haven't, there's no way for you to know these things. So you can't, this market is hidden. It's secret. There's no way for regular market dynamics to play here. You were not a, a willing customer of Equifax and yet they had all your data and all that data got loose. So it's not like you can take your business elsewhere. They had your data anyway. You didn't give it to them. Now, somewhere I'm sure in all the loans and bank agreements you sign in some sort of a terms of agreement, you had to say, Hey, guess what? We're going to share this with partners. And that one of those partners was Equifax. But there's nothing you can do as a consumer uh, in that case to to make the market change. You can't say, I'm going to I'm going to not use Equifax. I'm going to go to Experian because they care about my privacy. You can't do that. The other thing to realize is we're coming. We've now come to a point in time when it is possible. We have the technology. We have the storage. We have the computing power to weaponize all of this data. We can store vast quantities of information perfectly without degradation forever. We can access that information anywhere on the planet. And we have computing power now to sift through these massive piles of digital data to find things, to find all these needles in the haystack. And it's more than that. We've also got tools like, uh, like machine learning and artificial intelligence. These are real terms. These are real things that are happening today. Uh, because we have all those massive amounts of data, we've got to process this data. And the the creepy thing to think about, it's actually very cool. Machine learning and, and AI is going to do some great things for us. But it also opens the doors to finding correlations in data that we didn't even know to look for. You can you can literally take some, some code, point it at a big batch of data, and say, find me correlations in this data. You, you don't have to ask it specific questions. And it can just start correlating things like, hmm, looks like people that... You know, eat at these restaurants uh, and, eat, you know, tend to have more health problems. Well, those restaurants, let's say they're McDonald's or fast food restaurants. You know, maybe you could have figured that question out. But there's a lot of things that these tools will munge through this data and, ch and chunk through it all. And they will find correlations you didn't even think to look for. That is possible today. That is where we are. And that is that convergence of having all the data and then having the amount of storage to keep all that data and then having the computing power to sift through all that data and find interesting correlations on that data. That is all happening right now. We have that capability. Now, you've also heard me mention uh, that the EU, the European Union, um, has been taking steps, some really strong steps, to stand up for regular people and and to defend their right to know what information is being held about them, who it's being shared with, and actually give them some control over it. Uh, and there's this new regulation going into effect at the end of May this year uh, called the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. And it's a really big deal. And frankly, it has all the sorts of protections in it that I wish we had here. And I think that because of all the things going down, uh, we're going to start seeing some of this sort of regulation being uh, considered here as well. Uh, and the other benefit is actually since some of these companies are global and they have to comply 
with this these regulations, whether or not they uh, reside in the Europe uh, in the EU or not, they're still going to have to implement some of these things, and we'll get to some of the benefits anyway. Um, anyway, I, there was an article from a, uh, I ran across this blog by a guy named Kenneth Bowles, and uh, he summarized some of this stuff. And I just want to get kind of give you an idea of uh, what's in the GDPR, uh, so you can see what kind of things are possible. These are the things that we should be considering here. So let me just read from this article. He's describing uh, some of the elements of this new GDPR. Quote, uh, it affects any company, whether wherever they are in the world, that handles data about European citizens. It defines personal data as anything that can be used to directly or indirectly identify an individual, including name, photo, email, bank details, social network posts, DNA, IP addresses, cookies, and location data. Personal data can only be collected and processed for specified, explicit, and legitimate purposes. So there's no more harvesting of data for unplanned analytics for future experimentation or unspecified research. Teams must have specific uses for specific data. Where requested, consent, consent must be freely given, specific, informed, and unambiguous, and indicate by a clear and indicated by a clear affirmative action. These few words form a death sentence for data dark patterns. Pre-ticked and opt-out boxes are explicitly banned. Quote, silence, pre-ticked boxes or inactivity should not therefore constitute consent. Unquote. No must become your data default. Requests for consent can't be buried in terms of service. They must be separated, separated and use clear, plain language. Requests must be granular asking for separate consent for separate types of processing. Blanket consent is not allowed. Consent must be easy to withdraw. Indeed, it must be as easy to withdraw consent as it is to give it, unquote. Can you imagine a world <laughs> where those, those were even possibilities? Uh, it goes on to say some of the things. Uh, one of the key other aspects to the GDPR uh, is that it gives, basically it gives everybody the right to access all their data, uh, the ability to correct through data, because there's all sorts of mistakes in this data. Um, someone estimated that some, some as, as much as 50% of the data has uh, inaccuracies in it. Uh, and even to delete your data, that is uh, often listed as the right to be forgotten. Um, can you imagine if you if you could have access, if you could know who had all your data and know that they couldn't take your data unless you explicitly said yes, and you could even granularly say, you know, I want you to have this data, but not that data. Uh, oh, and by the way, you can't share it. You can only use it for this. I, 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 you know, I'd realize regulations could be stifling. I realize that that it can be a real pain in the butt to implement these things. But let me make my final plea to you. The reason this is different, the reason we have to treat privacy separately, why s privacy is so much different than just plain security, is that you, if someone steals your stuff, your money, you can replace that. But if someone steals you, your history, your preferences, your relationships, your communications, your biometrics, you can't get that back. That knowledge can't be unlearned. Privacy cannot be regained once it's lost. That is the difference. That is why it's so much more important that we put regulations on how this data is used because once this data is out there, it's not like you can take it back. I mean, if once somebody knows all those intimate details that you didn't want them to know, once someone finds out some historical thing about you that you wish wasn't known, you can't expunge that. It's not like money that you've lost or uh, even identity theft. I mean, that all comes down to money too, right? Someone's taken out a loan in your name and stuck you with the bill, and now you've got credit problems. Sure, that's bad. I get that. But it's all recoverable. Um, you know, if someone steals something from you, that has monetary value, somehow, some way you can replace it. But if someone steals your privacy, it's gone forever. All right. Thanks for hanging with me. I know that was a bit of a soapbox, uh, but I've really gotten worked up about that, <laughs> about this whole topic. As I was putting together my notes on this, I mean, I knew all these things. I, you know, at one point or another, I've talked about these things in, in various shows and blog articles and, and conversations with friends. I knew it was bad out there. I knew all this data was getting collected. But as I was putting together all the stuff for the story, it frankly just bummed me out. <laughs> I just it just it just blew my mind. Even even me, you know, the privacy guy, security guy, 
who knew this stuff ostensibly, seeing it all together in one place, uh, it was still just mind blowing. So anyway, um, this is the last draw for me. Uh, this has been a turning point for me. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to delete my Facebook account. And as, like I said, I've got two of them. I've got a business one. I've got a personal one. I'm going to nuke them both. Um, if Facebook, for whatever reason, gets their act together um, and somehow, some way convinces me that they are now truly about connecting me with friends and family and will treat my data with respect and not sell to others, I'll listen to it again. I, that service, as I described it, is valuable. That is something I would consider. Uh, what I think is more likely is that there will be some other company um, who will come along and offer that, probably for a fee. That means we'll have to pay for it. Uh, who will promise these things and say, you know what? We're making money because you gave us money, because you're our customer, and you paid us for this service. And because you paid for it, we're going to make this service the way you want it. And your data is your data uh, and no one else's. And when that day comes, I will seriously consider joining that as well. Until then, I'm done with Facebook. So uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how to delete your account. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to point you to a blog article, article that I'll be writing here shortly uh, that will have some other information for you if you're not quite ready to go that far yet. And I'll tell you what some of those options are. And then I'll uh, point you to my blog article where you can uh, actually go find links that will help you to do those things. For what it's worth, and I don't know if this matters to you, but... Uh, this has really been kind of catching on. There's been some famous people that are they're deleting their Facebook accounts. Just to name a few, uh, Elon Musk, uh, the Tesla guy, the SpaceX guy, uh, has come out and said he's deleting his account. Uh, Will Ferrell, comedian, Jim Carrey, comedian, uh, Cher. Uh, these are just a few of the people that have, have like me, have just decided that it's they're done. It's not worth it. Um, they're they're deleting their accounts. So, how do you delete your account? It's not easy. Facebook doesn't make it easy. They have in the, literally in the last week or two, they've made it easier to dial back your privacy. They've put uh, a lot of controls more in one place and made it more logical. Uh, they said these things were all coming and they just accelerated them. I don't know, but you know, responding to this, they're, they're trying to get people to say, okay, so l let me give you a little more control over your data. Uh, and then maybe you'll stay. So they're trying to make it easier for you to stay and they're, and they're, they're making it easier for you to lock down your data. That's great. I understand that. And maybe that's the way you want to go. Um, but to actually delete your account is they make you jump through a lot of hoops. The first thing they want to ask you to do is deactivate your account. That is certainly not the same thing as deleting your account. Uh, in fact, I'm honestly, I'm not even sure what that gets you. I don't know if, if people go to your account once it's deactivated, if they see a screen saying this person's deactivated, I guess you would hope that. But but Facebook still has all your data, uh, which is really the root of this problem. So it's, you know, that's not going to help you there. Even deleting your account, you have to hope, because you don't know, you have to hope that they really are deleting your data. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're crossing our fingers there. But again, this is also more of a statement uh, not just about uh, the data. So uh, all you have to do to delete your data uh, is go directly to this webpage and it's facebook.com slash help slash delete underscore account. Now that link, as far as I can tell, isn't easily accessible anywhere else in Facebook. Uh, like I said, they, they first they, they try to route you through deactivating your account and do some other stuff first. Uh, but if you just want to go straight to it, that's what you should do. Now, before you do that, actually, here I recommend strongly that you go and download all of your Facebook data, which is something you've actually had the ability to do for a long time, but it just surfaced recently because uh, it got so many headlines. And people are just being astonished by what is in this bundle of data. Uh, so I, I encourage you, for a couple of reasons, to go and download this data. First of all, so you can see what's in it, because I think you need to know that. So even if you're thinking you're not going to delete Facebook, Go see what all the information they have on you and really look through it. And then maybe that'll change your mind. Uh, but it's also just good to have that. I mean, you know, all the videos and uh, uh, photos and things that you've posted, you might want all those back. And it's kind of nice to have that information. So the way you do that is you go in your Facebook settings uh, on the web page uh, and you go to uh, it moved recently. Um, so if you go to the, the, the first page you come to, I think is general account settings. Uh, at the very bottom of that, in small text, uh, underneath all the settings, is a little link that says, download a copy of your Facebook data. Click that. It'll take you to another, another page where you have a button that says, start my archive. 
So you push this button because this takes time. You got a lot of data probably, right? So you push this button and it says, okay, we're going to, we're starting to collect all your data. We'll get back to you when we have that ready for you. Uh, and then they will email you and send you a link to download this data. Now this link is only good for a few days. Uh, so be ready to jump on that. Uh, and when you get that data, and I would do this before you delete your account, when you get that data, download it, <laughs> look how big it is. Um, I think you'll be amazed, especially if you've been there for a while. Uh, and it comes in a zip file. So it's a compression, it's a compressed file. Uh, and you should be able to just double click that file to, to unzip it. And, and it'll create a folder. Uh, and if you go in that folder, there's a few other folders and one file called index.html. If you double click that index.html, it will launch your web browser. Uh, and it gives you a, a web-like interface. That's It's not really on the web. It's just a local file, but it looks like any other web page. And it helps you to navigate through all the information that they have on you. And it is, is extensive. Now, I downloaded mine, and mine was tiny. That, but that's because, A, I hardly use Facebook. And, B, I've cranked down my privacy settings way down. Uh, so I was actually pleasantly surprised to find out they didn't have that much information on me. Uh, I think you will be surprised to find what they do. So download your data first. Uh, go to that review it, make sure you've got that copy and then go to Facebook. Again, that's facebook.com slash help slash delete underscore account, all in lowercase. Um, and that will take you to the page where you can nuke your Facebook account. And I'm sure you have to click, are you sure? And that kind of stuff. And then apparently this takes some time. So once you've done that, don't go back to the website. Don't log back in. I think if you log back in, that can interrupt the process and they'll say, oh, hey, you really didn't want to do that. You came back. Um, so don't do that. Once you've done that, you're done. Um, delete your Facebook app, uh, Facebook app from, from your phone for sure. Uh, any other devices you might have that on, an iPad or a tablet or whatever, delete those apps as well. And uh, you're done. Goodbye, Facebook. Of course, you could always recreate your account, right? I mean, it, it's gone. You'd have to, <laughs> all your pictures and posts are gone. But, you know, if you want to come, if they get their act straight and they come back and they fly right uh, and you want to trust them again somehow, uh, just create yourself another account. Um, you'll be starting from scratch, but then you can reconnect with all those same people um, uh, and go back to using it. And hopefully they will uh, treat your data with some more respect. But until that time, just make a stand be done. Now, if you want to instead just severely limit what Facebook can do with you, you can actually go through now, uh, apparently and delete specific data. I don't know if they can do it in bulk or not. Like, I don't know if I can go back and say, you know, delete all my messages and info from three years ago and before that would be really nice. My guess is they don't have that yet. Um, but apparently they do have privacy tools now, um, that will allow you to go in there. It's called your, uh, access your information tool. And you can look and see what data they have on you. You can manage that data, which I guess maybe means you can, I don't know, if you can update it or tweak it, uh, but you can also delete it. Now, if you have to go through and delete it, you know, message by message or photo by photo, that would be a pain. Uh, I haven't looked at it yet, to be honest, because um, I'm just, because <laughs> I'm nuking my account. But just to let you know, that is there. Uh, and I'm sure that with all the flack they're getting, that they're probably going to be making those tools even, yeah, even easier to use. So, you know, if you want to do that, you can maybe selectively go back and remove stuff you don't like anymore or you want to get um, rid of. Um, and then change all your privacy settings. You know, you know, go from public to uh, down to just the people you know. Uh, re reduce what people can do with your information and what, and go find all the apps that you give them permission to and remove all the ones you no longer use. Just dial it way back. Um, if you're really going to stick with them, then at least let them know that you care about your privacy enough that you're going to make all these changes. And before we go, uh, just one more thing. I know it's been a long episode. Thanks for hanging in with me. This has been some really important stuff. I hope that after I've gone through all these things, you have a better idea of just how amazing these companies are at collating and correlating data on you and, and what they're doing with it. And at least you are, are now aware. Awareness and education, um, transparency, those are the first things we've got to have. So at least you can make an informed choice. So the other thing I, I would recommend that because of this, my guess is there will be new companies popping up that are privacy centric. Um, companies that are going to come up and say, hey, you know, we've got a similar tool to Facebook, uh, but we respect your privacy. But because we don't sell your data, we need money from you to have this business be viable. As those companies come up, try them, uh, even just for a little while. Give these guys some money, uh, show the market, show these companies, show Facebook and others 
that there is a market for people who want privacy and are willing to pay for it. Cause that's really what you're at. You can't, you can't get by for free. These things do cost money. So the way, the best way to hope that your data is being respected and held private is for you to give them money. It doesn't guarantee it because Lord knows our internet service providers and whatever we we pay them plenty of money and they're still selling our data. But if they come out and say that they're doing this, they actually have to abide by that. That would be false advertising if they didn't uh, and you can hold them accountable. So, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Um, and as these things come up, uh, give them a try uh, and see if they're not better. And because if nobody gives them a try, then they're never going to survive. So, you know, also look at, you know, there are companies already out there. Proton Mail is one of them uh, where you pay money and uh, they give you very, very private, secure email. Um, as these things come up, just support them, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, the other thing you should be supporting are groups that are out there fighting for your privacy on a daily basis, uh, including the, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. That's certainly one of my favorites. Um, Epic, E-P-I-C. Those are two good organizations that you should be, uh, that you could give some money to. Uh, I also recommend you read a book called Data and Goliath. Uh, that's D-A-T-A, Data and Goliath by Bruce Schneier. Um, that gives you some more really good information about why this is so important, why these companies are doing what they're doing and why they're getting away with it um, because they're, we're not paying attention, basically. Uh, there's a great documentary called Terms and Conditions May Apply. That's another great one to, to check out if you prefer video over uh, over reading. Um and obviously, we'll be talking about this stuff all the time. So, you know, tell the people about this, you know, send them to uh, my blog, my newsletter, send them to the podcast, send them to the book. Uh, I'll be out there telling these people about this is left and right. <laughs> so spreading the word so that we're all at least aware of what's going on and what our options really are. Obviously, tell your Congress critters, your, your representatives, make sure that they're aware that you care about these things uh, and that they vote on, on your behalf. And maybe we can claw back some of these privacy regulations that have been taken away recently because it's, it's we're going the wrong direction. <laughs> so, okay, I will quit here. Thank you so much for hanging in with me. Uh, it's a very important show. Um, and uh, if you can't delete Facebook, at least dial it way back. And the other thing you should certainly consider doing the same with is Google. They, have, it, they probably have more information on you than Facebook. Or they just didn't get busted. So keep that in mind. Go out there and be uh, be aware and be knowledgeable and spread the word. Thank you, everybody, and uh, talk to you again next week. And as always, until then, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. <laughs>